In this week's episode of Studio Inter, we'll be discussing the emphatic semi-final win in the Europa League. We'll be previewing the Europa League final against Sevilla. We have an interview with Carlo Garganese, this week's Moji, Moratti and Frog, and much, much more. Everything here on Studio Inter, only on sempreinter.com. Benvenuti, bentornati to the penultimate episode of Studio Inter because thanks to that thrashing that Inter gifted Shakhtar with yesterday, we know that the season is going to end this week. It's going to end on Friday in the Europa League final against uh, Sevilla uh, in Köln. Uh, but before we get to all of that, I'm going to start by introducing our panelist, the Semper Inter preview writer, Mr. Mohamed Nasser. How are you doing, Mo? Uh, I'll be very happy to go with Mystic Mo today, but yeah, thank you very yeah, much. Yeah, I was, I was going to say that. You you called this. You called this. You said second place, <laughs> and you said Europa League final, and you did it uh, when it was at its darkest. Now, I don't know if you were just... Just saying something to lift the oh, mood. Oh, no, no, no. Because it was suicide I, I, watch on that episode. I, I, I truly believed. I truly yeah, believed. I've, I've really always did. believed, and uh, but I've always been wrong. It just so happens that this year I'm right. Yeah. <laughs> but to be honest with you, after, after that thing happened with the Atalanta game, I was kind of on it. Uh, I felt I was kind of... Uh, you got me on that as well, because I felt like Inter are going to win the Europa League and Conte is going to resign. So we'll have to see. We'll, we'll wait how far that goes. Uh, but uh, Will, Mr. William Beckman giggling in the background in a scolding hot London, is it still? No, no, we've all cooled down. Um, not just Conte, <laughs> it's every, the entire UK has cooled down with him, thankfully. <laughs> I'm not sure which I'm more grateful for, but I'll, I'll take both. <laughs> that sounds great. Back to well, uh, acceptable uh, mid-August temperatures. Oh, good. So it's, it's back to rainy drizzle. Absolutely, rain. and we've never been happier. So. <laughs> That's good to know. Um, and we're also uh, joined by our good friend from Dallas, Texas. He's uh, the uh, editor for The Athletic in Dallas, uh, in Houston, sorry. I don't know why I keep saying Dallas. Houston, Texas. Uh, Mr. Reverend. It is Dallas. It is Dallas. Okay, I'll just, I just, I just uh, second-guess myself. You should never second-guess yourself. Yeah. So it is Dallas, Texas. And I, I'm, think, I'm thinking it's scolding hot there still. You would be correct, but you know what? Uh, I can give you any range of descriptors for how I'm doing right now, and they're all better than Shakhtar Donetsk, so it's all good. <laughs> Reverend Mike, good to be good, good to have you. And we're also joined by our very good friend. Um, a, he's an Italian broadcaster, journalist, uh, commentator, everything, everything under the book. My favorite gobby in the world, Carlo Garganese. Thanks for having me, Nima. It's, it's great to to crash in on the on the inter party after last night. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, let's get right to it because. Um, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on, on, on that game because, to me, it was the perfect Conte game. Uh, it, was, it was his best game since he took over. I mean, you know, he, as, you, as you always say, that when he has a week to, to prepare for games, he's almost unbeatable because he's, he's so meticulous to the point of a little bit OCD-ish in the sense that he reads and he, he gets everyone prepared <laughs> until everything and uh, on, on everything. And Inter were super prepared, again, as they were against Getafe, as they were against Bayer Leverkusen, and they were super prepared against, uh, Bayer, uh, against um, 
Shakhtar Donetsk, and they completely mopped the floor with them. It was a different approach. Uh, I loved it, being a fan of Italian football and the old-style Italian football of playing with your brain uh, and to your to your strengths and to the opponent's weaknesses, neutralizing them. But I'm keen to hear how you read the game. Did you feel that this was, you know, did you? what do you think of this? Do you think that this was a terrorist ball or catenaccio and death <laughs> and all that nonsense, or do you did you enjoy this? No, I thought I thought that they were comfortably the better team from from the, from the first whistle to the last whistle. I mean, Shakhtar had what one chance really in the whole game when at one 0 in the second half, just before the, uh, D'Ambrosio scored the second goal, when the cross came in from the left, uh, headed it straight at, at Handanovic, and that, that's it really. That's all all that um, Shakhtar created. Uh, I thought that uh, Inter were not as aggressive as they were against Leverkusen. Um, but I think that Conte, yeah, he, he did his homework, obviously, on, on Shakhtar. Um, and, yeah, it was, uh, I, I can see your point. It was a little bit of the old Italian school, a little bit in the first half, I think. Um, but, but it was so comfortable. For, for Inter, yeah. That for period, sure. Even though Shakhtar had, like, yeah, that even though they had all the possession, um, they didn't. They never looked like hurting Inter. So it was, yeah, it was a great, it was a great game, dominant match, and and as I said to you before, I go, you know, never bet against Conte when he's got a week to pre- when he's got a week to prepare. It's a it's a guaranteed win. <laughs> sure is, and and that what a way they did. I mean, Inter were were in control from start to finish, as he's saying. They, it never really felt like the game was was at threat or at peril or even balance in the balance it just felt like it was a controlled performance from start to finish um uh, mo did you have a question for carlo i'm going to i'm gonna we need to talk about this because you guys had a semi twitter beef going on no you didn't uh, but it was about no, <laughs> I, I just felt like i had to be jerry jerry springer there a little bit so, no no but we're, we're gonna get that was to the that. quickest beef in history it will last for like two seconds <laughs> yeah no no i felt like as i was saying it i was like no no don't 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 yeah. no good it was, it was basically about i mean Conte because because the thing is i as i said i mean he does have a point uh, when Carlos said it I, I told me that I, I would be lying if I didn't think it myself to be honest but we'll get to that I'll, I'll, I'll let you ask your question and then we'll get to that Mo. yeah so it's not not not, not so much of a question as um, uh, uh, like a second questioning a, a hypothesis I have so the knock has has always been on Conte that uh, the two match week uh, two match a week schedule uh, is always his Achilles heels uh, he needs a full week, and like you, like you rightly said, he's unbeatable, never beat bet against Conte when he's got a week to prepare, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Do you reckon that this post-lockdown insane schedule has done something uh, like the, the stress of that schedule and the stakes uh, uh, during those six weeks have been so high that it has forced Conte to somehow uh, find a new gear and do you think that next year maybe uh, a two match a week schedule will not be as taxing on him personally and his preparation for the opposition as it as it had been this year, as we'd seen with uh, you know uh, whoever with Barca, with Dortmund, with whoever that when we, when we had a big midway game midway week, and uh, not only did the physical fitness uh, of the of the team you know sell the team short, but it also it seemed like there was no. Uh, management of the game throughout the 90 minutes and it was a failing like he had he had drawn out a blueprint for the game up to the 75th minute and he couldn't really 
see how to make the team uh, manage the last 15 minutes. So do you reckon this last six week, these last six weeks have been so difficult such that they've expanded Conte's tactical arsenal and should we, be able, should we anticipate him being more uh, open to a, a tougher schedule next season? Well, I hope so. I, th- I think we'll maybe get the answer on, on Friday in the final against Sevilla because, because Inter had obviously a, a week to prepare for this chapter game, but they're only going to have four days to prepare for the, for the Sevilla game, whereas Sevilla are going to have had an extra day. They'll have five days. Um, so, so I think, you know, if, um, if Inter somehow are totally unrecognisable from the, from the team that was, was so brilliant yesterday and, you know, lose the game tomorrow, uh, on Friday, sorry, um, then, then I think, yeah, we can say that, you know, it, it, the same problem with, with Conte seems to, seem to be continuing. Um, I, I don't know. You know, I haven't got any information or I haven't heard from anyone that he's changed his his training schedule during the during the 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 lockdown that he's changed the, the way that he does things uh, in terms of you know he, everybody knows that Conte demands real intensity you know everybody that's ever played under Conte tells you how hard he works in in, in training you know and obviously he demands that in the matches and the way that his teams play that you know it's kind of like they have to they have to be playing in an intense manner to kind of get the best out of what Conte is asking for. Uh, it doesn't really have that kind of plan B in terms of being able to beat a team, say, through passing, through, through you know, say, the way that Barcelona, a, a traditional Barcelona team would play. Or, or you, you know, so I don't know. It's, it's maybe still a little bit too early to, to say. Um, what I would say is that definitely Inter seem to be getting physically stronger by the end of the um, Serie A calendar. Obviously, they had those few slip-ups towards the start, you know, with the, you know, the, the slip-ups against, against uh, Bologna, especially. Sassuolo um, and Bologna, yeah. And Sassuolo, sorry, yeah, and, and those two games. Yeah. Um, but by the end, you know, Inter were, were finishing very strong, obviously beat Atalanta on the last day, and, and they've obviously, they've looked great, really, during the the Europa League uh, resumption. I only did the, the first kind of 20 minutes against Hatafe where they were, couldn't even get out of their half. But after that, they, they've been excellent. For sure. So let's get to that. Um, um, I mean, Mo, you, you, you know, let's talk about that, 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 that thing. I mean, I, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of with, with Carl a little bit on that because I'm not ready to say it, but I have thought about it. Um, can you know is 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 you know obviously now after the game like the Shakhtar game it might be, be a little bit inappropriate to talk about it because it looked so dominant, but I mean the way that Inter's midfield has been run over because I think maybe a little bit I don't want to take anything away from the performance yesterday but I think that maybe we might have been overestimating Shakhtar a little bit too a little bit yesterday and 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 I'm kind of keen to I want to give the floor to you Carlo to explain what you meant me said that maybe you you were starting to think that maybe he's not down the path of Mourinho and that his football might be starting to get outdated so you know just explain what you mean and I'll let Mo reply to that well yeah it probably isn't the right time to to bring this up now but but it was I can't remember which game it was it was which game it, it followed where we had the conversation but I'm assuming it was after a negative result that that Inter had. Can you remember which game it was that they, they was struggled? it the Roma game at the Olympico? It might have been that game. Yeah, 
because we nearly lost. Yes, that. you're right. It was because then they followed up that game with a draw against Fiorentina um, at home, where they were actually yes. they were yes. actually unlucky in that game against Fiorentina. They actually played pretty well and created a lot of chances. Um, and then since then they've won every single game, haven't they? So, so yeah, good job. I didn't come out and say it. Um, yeah, <laughs> no, uh, but I, I mean, know. there was I, there was a thought, a thought process behind it. It wasn't like it was just. I mean, you did you did present like some really interesting arguments, and it's something I've been growing that you thought about for a long time. And I kind of yeah. Like... Well, f- first of all, um, I, I I've been saying it for. I, I think I first said it in 2016. Um, that I consider Jose Mourinho to be completely outdated and, and he's someone that I have massive respect for and consider him one of the greatest coaches of all time for everything that he's achieved um, um, you know multiple teams and different leagues and he's fantastic but he, he you know he plays Jose Mourinho plays the same football now um, that he played in 2005 you know it's it's um, it's not progressive it's it's not you know the team's the teams still defend deep. Uh, it's still pretty counter-attacking. It's quite rigid. The players hold their same positions all the time. Um, and, you know, my concern was that, obviously, Conte, if there's any coach that he's quite comparable to, um, certainly when Conte was, was bursting onto the scene, you know, he was always labelled as the, the Italian Mourinho. Um, and there are a lot of comparisons, you know, obviously his outbursts in the, you know, um, his outburst, public outbursts and, and the way that he's a, he's a real hard taskmaster. And, um, and you know, there, there definitely are comparisons there. So my question, the question marks I was having was Inter, like, and I think this is a problem that Conte's had his whole career, but his midfield and I think Inter have got an outstanding midfield, even now, even when Gagliardini playing. But if you consider Sensi, Brozovic, Barella, for me, that's that's the best midfield in, in Serie A, those three um, best central midfield in Serie A. Yet, if you actually look at the number of games this season that Inter have been like, and I, I know it's pro- probably partly a tactic, but the number of games that Inter have been um, dominated in, in midfield, they, they've they've had the game dictated by the opposition. Um, and, I mean, you can go through, and I, I mean, I checked it out, you can go through and have a look at all the big matches that, that Inter played this season. So the games against Juventus, the games against um, Inter, uh, against Barcelona, against Borussia Dortmund, and the other top sides in, in Serie A. And the percentage of games that, that the opposition have had more possession than them and have, have dictated the games is... is it's scary um, and it shouldn't happen when you've got a, a midfield, a central midfield as outstanding um, as Inter have and, and a team as, as impressive as, as Inter have. Um, so that was kind of one red flag to me because, because I feel that, you know, a team with, with a midfield as strong as that should be taking the game to the opposition more, should be controlling territory more, should, should be dominating more. Um, and really, that is kind of like the future of, of football or is the present of football that we're seeing the teams that kind of take it to the opposition are the teams that are the most successful um, at, at the moment. I think we've seen that in the, in the Champions League this season, um, with the exception of maybe Leon. Um, so, 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 yeah, um, that, was, that was probably the one, one big red flag for me. Um, but to be fair, to to be fair, I think we've seen from um, from Inter 
in the last few games that tactically we're seeing some some positional play um, because the system beats the old Italian school now. I know we saw a little bit of it yesterday from Antonio Conte, but positional play uh, and there's an Italian word for it. I think Mo, you said it, used it, used the term before, and I'm forgetting what the term is in Italian football. But um, but positional play, the system based football, system based formations are are what are dominating at the moment. You know, Jurgen Klopp is a perfect example. Gasparini is another. Roberto De Zerbi plays that kind of football as well. Conte is not really that isn't his style. You know, he he's still he's got a little bit of the old school in him. Um, but having said that, I think he's shown us. Um, certainly since since the Roma game, but definitely in this Europa League knockout stage, finals tournament, that um, he is evolving. Um, I find it very interesting the way that he lets Handanovic have the ball and he waits for the, the opposition, almost for them to press Handanovic before Handanovic releases the ball. And I was studying it closely yesterday and I found that very, very interesting. And it's like Shakhtar knew and almost shat to almost refusing to press Handanovic because they knew that as soon as they pressed him, Inter were going to find a way out. And I found, I think those kind of things that those are those are things that Conte's clearly been been evolving the way that he trains the players. And so, so maybe you know, maybe it's a little bit unfair. And like I said, it's not something that I agree on. It's just I just feel that Conte maybe needs to evolve in a few certain areas um, of his game. Um, and, you know, we'll see how he does against the bigger teams because at the end of the day, it was only Shakhtar and, and all these teams that Inter have played in the Europa League. They're not elite teams, you know. Mm. So let's not get too carried away um, by that. But at the same time, you know, I'm not ready to say... <laughs> I'm definitely not saying Conte is outdated. Um, I'm just saying that maybe he needs to evolve, evolve a little bit, little parts of his game, if uh, Inter are going to, you know, challenge the very best teams next season. Mm, for sure, uh, that's that's a really interesting point. Um, uh, Will, did you have a question for uh, Carlo? I did. Yes, um, I was going to ask about the, the way that Inter got better throughout the tournament with these performances, but I think we've already discussed that. So I'm going to say something that's um, uh, kind of a follow-on from that. Um, this I, I felt towards in the second half of the league season that maybe not every member of that dressing room necessarily believed that they could. Uh, they could topple Juventus uh, this season and go on and win the league. Whereas this Europa League campaign has been a really pleasant, um, I think, upshift in terms of mentality and in terms of design, in terms of um, just the the overall image of the team. So I'm just wondering, Carl, do you think this Europa League run sets Inter up better to go and maybe win the league next season? You know, is, is this, this, this string of good performances just because Conte's had time to prepare the matches and you know it's the end of the season and maybe other teams are, are, are tired because it's been a long season or do you think there's been sort of genuine progress and improvement both in terms of mentality in terms of the football that can be carried into a, a full league campaign with obviously lots of different competitions going on at, at the same time yeah b- brilliant question and I think I totally agree with you I think it's it's, it's great for the for the mentality um, I think Conte even said that himself, didn't he, um, last night um, after the after the Shakhtar game, that going deep into a competition, even though it's only the Europa League, and, and like, as much as it's great if Inter win it, it's it's not the biggest competition, but it's still it's still a European competition. Um, but the the experience um, and the improvement the, the, of the mentality through through going deep in the European competition, you know, you just can't you can't train 
um, your mentality. You just you have to you know it has to be earned through playing these kind of matches. Um, and you know I think there definitely has been an improvement in the in the inter mentality that we've seen um, during this you know Europa League knockout stages. Um, I agree that it seemed like into kind of through the towel. Uh, uh, into the into the ring a little bit once they had the, that that run of bad results. When in truth, if they'd have just kept on going, Juventus were were, were were dropping so many points themselves that you know they might have even ended up winning the league uh, in the end. And you know, I did I have said all season. I think I think it's a, a better squad than Juventus. I still stand by that now, even though Juventus won the league. I, I really think it was there for the taking for Inter. But you know what? Let's not let's not what you know. Let's not get too overworked by that. If you're an Inter fan, you know I, I think they are set up really nicely for next season. Um, and and yeah, just going back to the point about the Europa League setting them up, I think we've actually, if you look through kind of past Europa League winners or or teams that were kind of in the construction phase, like Inter are now, um, having a deep run in, in the Europa League or winning the Europa League. Um, and then actually doing really, really well and going very deep in the Champions League uh, the following season. There's actually quite a few examples of that. Um, you know, Juventus themselves, actually, when, in, when they went to the, the semi-finals of the Europa League uh, one season, and then the next season um, they got to the final of the Champions League. Um, so, that, I mean, that's one example. And I can think of Chelsea winning, it, winning the Europa League one year and then winning the, the Champions League the next year. I think that was 2011, 2012, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I might be wrong there. But there, there are examples. Ajax are another one that they went to the final of the Europa League and then a couple of years later, yeah. you know, went really deep in the Champions League. So I think it does set them up. It, it, it definitely builds up their mentality. Yeah, Chelsea won the Europa League the year after winning the Champions League, which is kind of uh, odd. But I, the one I was oh, thinking right. was uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. Atletico Madrid. They won the Europa League in 2012 when Simeone just turned up. And then two, and then two years later, they were in the Champions League final. Yeah. So there's definitely, there's definitely a correlation with the. Definitely. You know, yeah. you know, if you look at the last three winners of this tournament, Chelsea, Atletico Madrid and Manchester United, you know, that's the company that <laughs> Inter want to keep. In the next mm-hmm. few years, so it's not maybe not maybe not Man United. Yeah, I was no, going to well, say maybe not Man United. <laughs> no. well, maybe not even Chelsea. Then, if that if, you know, if you're going to be tricky because they're not been that convincing. Yeah. But you no, know what I mean. You know, Chelsea are exciting now, aren't they? I mean, they, yeah. they, even though even though Frank Lampard doesn't know what defending means, they do have an interesting <laughs> they have an interesting squad. Uh, Mike, did you have a Reverend Mike? Did you have a question for Carlo? Hey, Carlo, I did. Um, I want to talk about a certain player within this. Let's narrow it down a bit. And that's Nicolò Barella. Um, I think if there is somebody who doesn't watch Serie A and has watched this Europa League run, that's probably the guy who's had his biggest coming out party, maybe on a, on a wider stage. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, yesterday you you compared him essentially to, uh, to Arturo Vidal, a sort of Conte's new version of that. And I, I agree in a lot of ways. I guess my question for you, you know, as somebody who watches the whole league is, you know, thinking bigger picture, I mean, this is a guy who's already a starter for Italy. He's already one of the better midfielders in Serie A. How high do you think the ceiling is? You know, he's going to be starting for Italy for a long time. But there's a difference between a guy who does that versus in, on, a, on a national team that's, you know, what Italy has been a lot of the time since 2006 versus a guy who can start in a national team that really has ambitions to win something, which, you know, looking at the current setup now, there's hope that maybe Italy can get back to that in a little bit. Uh, you know, in short, do you think that this is somebody who is on the path towards becoming a, a true world-class midfielder? And what does it take for him to sort of reach that that isn't at his game yet? Yeah, great question again. Yeah, I, I think um, I, I, th- I think he has. Yeah, he does have what it takes to, to go to go very high. Um, I think 
the, the thing is with, with Barella is every great team needs a player like him in their midfield. Because if you, if you think, think of it logically, every team needs a central midfielder who can be a more of a creative type that can, that can dictate the play, like, like a Brozovic or like a Pirlo or, or, or that kind of player that can control the midfield and dictate the game. But every midfield also needs a runner. They need someone that can, that can be a box-to-box, that can cover the yards, that can put tackles in. And it's not easy to find both of those types of players. Um, and especially, especially very difficult to find a player like, um, like Barella. I mean, Juventus never, have never replaced Arturo Vidal. Never. Um, since, since, since they've lost him, you know, they haven't, they haven't not had a player since then. And that's how rare it, it is to find a player like that. There's very few of them, of them in Europe. And, you know, I don't know if I've ever seen a player. Is there another player out in Europe that, that runs as much as, as, as Barella? I mean, the guy just never stops running. He's, he, he's got so much energy. Um, there are Kulusevski and Brozovic and Barella. They're in a league of their own when it comes to 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 distance covered. It's it's insane the amount of distance those three cover. Sorry, I just had to say that because it's like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Kulusevski are definitely growing. Brozovic, I, I haven't looked at the stats. He doesn't. Come no, the across, stats are there. I know he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't come across that. the same. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I know. I know he doesn't. He doesn't take sprints as much, but he never. Yeah, he sprints running. much. Absolutely, I think you've got it in one there. He he's mm. a sprinter. Um, Barella. I mean, he he he's. I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of him. I, but I do think there are parts of his game he does need to improve. He he, he maybe his short passing game occasionally gives the ball. Even last night, actually, he, he gave it away a few times. Uh, silly little passes here and there where he gave it away, yeah. which which you know, okay, a game like yesterday, not too much of a big deal. But when you when you play against one of the real top teams, you know, if if Inter were playing against Bayern, which they they may do in the Super Cup in a few weeks. Um, you know, you can't give away those passes. You give away a little ball like that and then suddenly world-class team breaks on you and it, it could be that's it, they've got a goal. You know, so I think he, he definitely needs to improve maybe a little bit his short passing game, especially as coming back to my previous point about I feel that Inter should be dominating the midfield and keeping the ball better, especially against the big teams. Um, that is obviously part of it, as, much, as well as maybe Conte not being the best manager at, at imposing that on his teams um definitely you know if you've got mid, if you've got midfielders that never give the ball away every single time they get it then that helps as well so so yeah i would say that that he needs to improve in terms of goal scoring i mean he's chipping in with a few goals and a few assists i mean you've seen that in this europa league knockout so i think he's definitely improving on, on that front he gets in the box you know I, I think he's i think he's great i mean i know the italian media comparing him to marco tardelli who you know, which is not another great comparison as well. So yeah, I, I like him. I really like him. I think he's definitely on the right path, and he's he's got great mentality as well. You can tell he's got that. He's got that grinta. He's got that winning mentality that he doesn't get affected, um, and that's really important in a player. He's very much con- very much a Conte player. Um, as for um, maybe two or three yellow cards less per season. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Christian Eriksen said it the best. He says every time he goes into a challenge, he has a heart attack and thinks he's going to get sent off, isn't he? So it's like, it's, <laughs> it's, yeah, and I completely understand because he does look a little bit unpolished when he when he does it. But if, but but he's very that he's says very, a lot about Eriksen as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. If if you know if Barella is, 
is Conte's new Vidal? Does that mean that Conte's going to stop looking for actual Vidal and can oh. get on with looking for <laughs> other friends? We can, we we can only pray, can't we? We can only hope and pray because I do not want to see Arturo Vidal at this stage in his career anywhere near uh, Apiano Gentile because it's just uh, not any, any transfer that involves into bailing Barcelona out of a problem. Yes, uh, yes, is a red flag. <laughs> yes. We, the only the only player we're bailing them out with is Lionel Messi, and that's just a mess with them. That's <laughs> just a, just a, just a, just a mess with their heads. And really I'd like to know. Do you, I would like to know. I've got a question for all of you guys. Yeah. Do you want? Do you all want Messi or not? Mo, do you want Messi go first. Oh. Go first. Go first, Mo. Absolutely. Me, uh, absolutely no way. Uh, no, no desire to see him anywhere near the Conte project. Yeah. I think he's. Uh, completely incongruent with uh, the Conte project. So you, are, you believe in one, one of the two. Mm. I think one of the best things about the Swinning era is that we move past the Moratti era, where uh, signings are made for their own sake, and uh, this it just it doesn't work. So, uh, you know, I might have to eat my words next season because anyone who puts on an Inter jersey, I fall in love with anyway. I've always hated Alexis Sanchez, and now he's one of my favorite players. But... Uh, <laughs> but at this point in time, I, I would I would so hope not uh, for that transfer not to happen. Will, what, where are you on this? Uh, I am inclined to agree. Look, if Messi turns up, I'm not going to chain myself to Apiano Gentile and tell him to go away because that would be, <laughs> you know, it would be lovely to have the best player in history. But I don't I don't think we necessarily. Maradona retired 10, 20 years ago, so the best player in history isn't going to come to Inthusi. <laughs> okay, well, let's leave that debate for another time. When, it's not uh, even the we're third not... best Argentinian, because that's the, the, the Stefan. Okay, okay. <laughs> I, I retract ever having intimated that he may even be a good player. Nima. Um, oh, come on, I'm so, just joking. No, look, it, I, look it, it would be incredible, but it does feel, you know, I've spent the last couple of weeks wondering whether it was really such a good idea for Juventus to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, given how the squad has turned out in the last couple of years and mm. how, the impact it's had financially on them. So I don't feel I can really endorse Messi with with um, open arms so no I I, I I think we can leave it you know we, we, we don't necessarily need him to win I'll put it like that Mike where, where are you on the Messi thing so complicated I mean the, the short version is I mean look I don't care about his congruence with Antonio Conte's project because Mo makes a very good point I just don't think Conte even if he patches it up for next year which I think he will I don't think he's going to be here long enough for it to matter He'll bail when the right opportunity comes around, and that's I think everybody knows that that was going to be the deal the whole time, anyways. Yeah. I think all of that is valid, but by the same token, I mean you're, you know, we, we sit here and we look at well, did the Ronaldo deal make sense for Juventus? Juventus hasn't even been that good the last couple of years, and he's almost I wouldn't say single-handedly, especially given how DiBala had a comeback year the way he did this year, but I mean he won them two league titles. Uh, with him as the main protagonist, where he is still the best player in Italy. You're talking about someone in Messi who is among the best players of all time, since uh, <laughs> Niva doesn't want to go that far. And I think, like, look, you, you know, there, there's two factors I think about. One, I don't think any of us can claim to be, you know, economist, but there's going to be a surge in commercial revenue if he comes yeah. here. To what degree to offset it? I can't say it. I don't think anybody really with a straight face knows the answer. But the economic aspect of this would certainly... You know, he's going to generate revenue. He's going to generate attention. He's going to generate relevance. And I think that leads me to the second aspect of why I kind of, I mean, part of why you want to see it, you know, maybe it's the romantic aspect of me, but this club hasn't been relevant on a global stage in 10 years. And really, if you go 
before that Champions League run, even when they were dominating Italy in the second half of, of uh, you know, the, the aughts or whatever we want to call the first part of this century, it's not like this was some global behemoth that everybody was talking about even when Ibrahimovic was here. You know, when was the last time Inter had the guy who was the best player in the world? Uh, Ronaldo. So the idea of Messi playing for Inter and just what it could do as a knockdown effect to make the club relevant in a way that nothing else will is so enticing because they could win the league next year and they could win it the year after, but you will always have people on the outside sit there and say that, you know, uh, Romelu Lukaku is playing in a farmer's league. And does that really matter? Uh, maybe, maybe not. I, you know, I'm inclined to think not if you're winning, but what it could do for the club on a global stage if Messi closes his career out here, especially if it's, you know, we think he has a few more years in the tank. I think just the overall impact of where it could launch this club in the bigger picture. I think it's, I don't know how you could say no to it. It's, and yeah, I know there are ways it could go wrong. And it, this certainly isn't an easy thing to say, but there's just nothing quite like having the guy who's among the best players ever with a few years left playing in this club when three, four years ago, we were just sitting here going, can they get back to the Champions League consistently? The thought of that is almost, I mean, Given what this team has been the last 10 years, I don't know how I can sit here and say, no, that would suck. I don't want that. See, that's, that's a really good point. My, my, the way I look at it is this. I mean, what I think versus what I, what, I, what I want to happen. What I want to happen is obviously for Jose Mourinho and Diego Simeone to coach inter, interchangeably until the end of time. But that's not going to happen. But, but <laughs> so that, that's what I want. But what I think is going to happen is, 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 is a building on what Mike said and knowing what's, how Sooning operate and how they view themselves and how they view the brand and where they want to go. It's not even a secret that they have had their eyes on Lionel Messi from the day one that they took over Inter. It's, it's not even a secret. They want Messi. It works perfectly with what they're doing over in China and the rest of Asia in terms of promoting their business, in terms of sports business. Because let's remember, they own the rights to the Champions League, Premier League, La Liga, Serie A, Europa League, all over uh, in China and, and and many other countries in in Asia, this would this would f f you know go perfectly in with that, and they do have the the financial firepower to to do something like this, uh, in turn because of the the idea would never be to pay any transfer fee for Lionel Messi. It would be to bring him in on a free transfer when his uh, trans when his contract expires next June, and given the tax rules, they would not have to pay. They would pay a far less rate, something like 10 15% on his wages for the first two, three years or something like that. I'm not exactly sure on the details, but, but that's where we are, which means that they could afford, he would cost Inter per year in terms of amortization less than Romelu Lukaku, which they can afford. So, so, so I'm, I'm, you know, in terms of uh, ambition and finances, there's no doubt in my mind they can do it and that they want to do it. Whether or not I want them to do it, not this summer, because. Uh, the the very idea of Antonio Conte in a dressing room with Lionel Messi <laughs> is is so absurd that I don't know where to go. <laughs> so, Conte bitching like, Messi out for not you know, pressing he's, enough. He's, That'll he's, be great. He's gonna, exactly, he's going to play him on the left, like left wing back, and all of a sudden we'll have D'Ambrosio playing there and Messi on the on the sidelines, and they'll be arguing. I mean, it's just it, it would be madness to do such a thing. Can you However, imagine Messi giving? Can you imagine Conte giving Messi a bollocking? Proper bollocking, like <laughs> yelling at him and shouting at him and kicking and pointing and screaming, go there, run there, do this, do that, pass this. I mean, it's it just, come on, it, it, becomes, I think a, he, it becomes a parrot. We, I think the new, he, he'd probably, after a defeat, he'd come out and say, you know, how do you expect us to win when we've only got players who are five foot, 
whatever. Um, <laughs> How did you expect us to win when we yeah. only buy short players? We don't agree with Conte then when he said that it would be easier to move the Duomo than sign Messi. For no, no I, I, I think that he prefers that they rather move the Duomo than bring Messi because he, he's not stupid. I mean, I, the guy knows that very Duomo well. is very tall. Yes. <laughs> no, but he knows for a fact that that it's it it wouldn't work and he wouldn't you know he he would never say that on camera that he doesn't want to because that's not what he you know he's, he's smarter than that but i mean he knows damn well that it would never work it would never work with him and that's why i think that when they will go after him is when antonio conte leaves because as i said on this podcast before and and everywhere else where, where this has come up i think that if he doesn't inter will win the europa league and he will probably resign but if he doesn't resign, this coming next season is his last season. I can't see this relationship going much further than that. And then after he leaves, who do you replace him? You bring in Allegri, who's worked with big players, who's, who's cleaned up after uh, Conte before in terms of, you know, coming into an environment that he's, you know, taken a nuke to and try to build something on that. And, and, and I mean, he's worked with big players, with Ibrahimovic, with uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, so I think that this is something that could potentially happen next summer. I don't see it happening this summer because of COVID and, 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 and the financial ramifications of that, where Inter have to sell Skriniar and Brozovic to be able to buy other players. That's not going to happen this year. But next summer, well, put it to you this way. Lionel Messi knows this is the last chance. If he extends that contract, then that's it. And Barcelona are a complete mess. So I, I, I don't think the last word has been said on this uh, just yet. Mm. Uh, don't that. worry. Ro Ronald Koeman is coming to sort things out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that'll fix everything. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's crazy. I mean, if there, were, if there were any sense in that club, Maurizio Sarri is who they would appoint. I mean, if you want to update that kind of possession of football, and the, which builds on their kind of triangular tiki-taka play, Maurizio Sarri is your man because he plays a modern version of that, and I think it would be very, very interesting. Um, so I don't know, but but I mean, he's not a cult member, and and Ronald Koeman is a cult member, so he's one of the cults. Imagine him smoking a cigarette on the touchline at the Camp Nou in his tracksuit. That'd be a real meeting of cultures, <laughs> wouldn't it? <laughs> but to me, that's Barcelona. I mean, it's like it, I mean, didn't didn't Cruyff smoke? Like I, I remember like watching him growing up smoking on the sidelines when they played. I don't know. It's, it's, to me, it's like it's not. It's not that. I mean, he he is a bit of a. He is. He doesn't strike me as a, an intellect flamboyant intellectual the way that maybe Cruyff was, Sarri. But he is the way he understands the game is very similar to how how the Barcelona school does how they play. Yeah, the club's a mess to be honest, from top to yeah. bottom. Yeah, the club's a mess. Is yeah. is um, It doesn't matter which coach they put in charge there. Well, um, you see, can understand. You can understand why Messi wants to leave and why he wants to leave now. Um, to be honest with you, and that's well, you why see, I wouldn't. That's why that's I wouldn't rule it want, out completely. That's why I want it. They see, that's why I want it. On the one hand, I'm with Mo. I don't want that. I don't want him anywhere near Inter. But at the same time, a part of me given my deep-rooted disdain and hatred of FC Barcelona and everything they stand for, nothing would make me happier, like a pig in shit, than seeing them take Lionel Messi for free from FC Barcelona and leaving <laughs> them with Arturo Vidal and Luis Suarez to play with. Like that, and, 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 and basically saying, you, Lautaro, you wanted Messi? Here's Messi. <laughs> you know, like, that is... Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, from the non-inter angle, from the non-inter point of view, I would love to see it happen. And, but I'm talking more from a point of, of view of the, of the league because I think what it would yeah. do to Serie A on a global level, the image, 
you know, you'd have the whole Ronaldo versus Messi rivalry as well. I mean, it would be absolutely huge for the league. I mean, you know, the, the Serie A clubs just in terms of commercial revenue, in terms of TV revenue. I mean, they're completely blown away by the, by the Premier League. And that is why, you know, that is the, the most important reason why uh, Serie A clubs have struggled so much this For decade. Sure. And, it's why, and it's why, you know, Inter, if they manage to win the, 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 the Europa League, will become the first team in, in 10 years to, to win a European trophy. Since Inter um, did it ten years ago. Since Inter did it in two thousand, because there there isn't the, there isn't yeah. the money there. I mean, yeah. yes, of course, there's loads of other reasons, and 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 uh, the Serie A and, and the Serie A clubs are just as, as as guilty for you know for for why Serie A has been a mess. But at the end of the day, it comes down to money, and you know the the exposure of having Messi in the league and how he would attract players to the league and coaches and. And, you know, the TV contracts would go up and, and sponsorship and, you know, it, it would be absolutely fantastic um, where he would fit into this Inter team, especially under Conte. I have no idea because, you know, how do you fit in Lautaro, Lukaku and Messi in the same team? Uh, I, I have no idea. I'm not sure it's possible, to be honest <laughs> with you. Um, but, um, but you know what? I don't, I don't care because I, I would love to see I would love to see it happen. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. I think yeah. it'll probably end up staying yeah. Yeah, that's where I am as well. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, thanks so much for coming on, Carlo. Uh, yeah, thank you. To have you on. Oh, if people want to follow you on Twitter, uh, 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 give us your handle. And, and if you got something to plug, then go right ahead. The floor is yours. Yeah, at Carlo Garganese, you can follow all my all my stuff on there. And there will be something coming in the next week or two to watch out for, but I can't give it away yet. Well, we're looking forward to that, he said, knowing what it is. <laughs> <laughs> what? what? Um, right. Thanks, Thank guys. So Bye-bye. Thanks. Take care. Right. Um, let, let's uh, let's uh, let's talk about. Uh, let's uh, move on to uh, to. I mean, before we go to the and start previewing the final, I just I I uh, I was I, I gotta admit I and it's so typical because after the uh, to I, this has been a process for me. Conte Conte has been a really long, difficult process for me. But I really, I'm really, <laughs> I, what I saw yesterday and what I've seen these past few weeks with the, the way that Inter play, the way that he's got this team dying for him and each other, the harmony, the, the, the tactical lineup and setup, the movement of ball between the lines, I'm in love. I'm in totally in love with this Inter, with, with his Inter and his way of, of, of playing. And I think, and I really hope he stays next season. Um, uh, I, re I really, really do. I'm fully, fully on that. I mean, yesterday, that first half, when we had 37% of the ball and the way that Inter controlled that game completely, I was, I've never been, I've not been this happy in ages. It was beautiful to watch. From, and, and that's what I want Inter to do, to play controlled with their brains um, and also not just, you know, intensity, because Inter barely had any intensity yesterday. And to me, that, that shows once again that when he wants to, when he has the, when he's calm and, and he's in a good place and, I don't know, he's eating his meds or whatever, he's actually really, really good at, he's very tactically flexible and takes on games really well and isn't this hammer that can just play in one way. Um, and that, that, that's good because it means that he's more pragmatic than, than he, he would like to maybe admit even himself. But that doesn't matter because at Inter, that's a good thing and that results in wins. Um, wh wh where are you, Mike, on this? Well, I think 
you know, everything you say, I think, is true. But for me, I, you know, yesterday wasn't even a tactical victory uh, for, for Conte as much as it just was a credit, essentially, to his man management. I mean, if you really want to boil down what he did, then that's enough rope to hang themselves. I mean, he was going to let them make mistakes and just trust that this team would pounce on it. And both Lautaro goals and really even both of those chances he didn't convert early in the second half are kind of a microcosm of that. All of that was generated by some error uh, on Donetsk end and Inter were clinical and put it away. And that's a genius move tactically, but think about what that what you have to do to pull that plan off. You have to be mentally engaged for 90 minutes. You have to trust in the process that this will work, that not only are the tactics correct, but that you and the other 10 men next to you will work together and execute this. That you, even though you won't be dictating the pace of the game in terms of possession, and we've seen Conte's teams, especially, I mean, there are not many games in the second half of the season, especially where Inter haven't won possession, and to willingly give it up the way they did, especially in the first half, but even in the second as well, saying, okay, we're not going to dictate the terms of this, you know, as far as how we've had the ball, but we are going to get the result when this all result but get the results very emphatically that's as much a mental victory and a sign of this team's growing toughness and what will was talking about with carlo about just the growth that they've had mentally as it is tactically and i mean this is freaking inter not only is this inter but this is i mean you know we could sit here and say they haven't been able to do this for the better part of the last 10 years because that's true but they couldn't even do this most of the season i mean we couldn't they couldn't even do this during certain league games against minnows since the restart and here is this in you know essentially knowing and fully confident in their abilities that we've got this that we are going to get this done and you know maybe it's cheesy but te- it's true teams have to learn how to win that was something that Conte has talked about this season. That's something that players like Lukaku have talked about this season. You have to learn how to win. Yesterday was an example of the fact that they know how to win matches now. I, that isn't going to, you know, that isn't me saying they're certainly going to win on Friday against Sevilla because that's a tough opponent in their element. But just the fact that they can take this game plan, which is a great tactical masterclass by Conte, but mentally it shows how he's built this squad up over the course of the year. And it does make me excited for a second season of this. And I do think my, you know, whatever my wishy wash just might've been about Conte coming back before. I do think he's coming back because he smells blood in the water with Pierre Lowe, yeah. Juventus. Yes. I don't think he's walking <laughs> away now. Um, but you know, that makes me even more excited to see what this team could do with a full year of this because they're ready to win now. And that for me, more than even the tactical masterclass he put on is the real sign of growth and the real takeaway from yesterday. Reverend Mike, that's why we call him Reverend Mike. Preach, brother. Um, right. Um, let's um, let's go to uh, let's talk about the Sevilla game because I've you know it's barely it's Tuesday it's it's uh, yeah it's Tuesday and it's less than twenty four hours before the game even started. So so I I, I've, I haven't really started to 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 digest this, but Sevilla is, is as my as as Mo alluded to before in, in previous episodes. It's going to be a difficult one. Uh, they're a good team. Uh, this is the, this is the one where Inter can actually get away. But having said that, the way they play and 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 they have some they have a few players who I absolutely admire. They have uh, and they have players that that are just built to haunt us, like Ocampos and Suzo and 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 Banega, who I've always loved. Uh, uh, one of my favorite players. Um, they 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 they're they're a good team. They're a very very good team. And but I think that this is a team that suits Inter as well. Uh, they're I mean Shakhtar play try to play. Uh, they're a poor man's. Uh, they're a poor man's Sevilla, if you will, uh, in, in in a way, and and I think that it will be tougher for sure. But it's going to be very interesting. I think they suit Inter like hell. Um, well, what are your thoughts going into this mo? 
because you were the ones raising the warning flags about Sevilla, and they didn't think maybe that if, 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 if there was one team you could avoid, it would be them. So what are your thoughts now that we're going to play them? Yeah, look, I, I thought they were the more difficult uh, of the two potential semifinals we could have faced between them and Manchester United, and eventually, of course, they did win. Uh, and I think that Sevilla do possess certain certain attributes in, in terms of uh, players or certain attributes that certain players present that have been problematic for Inter. And, you know, I, I think Inter defensively um, have, have consistently shown two uh, errors or have uh, consistently fallen into two traps all season long. One is the pacey wide forward that, you know, gets behind and it was almost always inevitably um, Skriniar, runs behind Skriniar, cuts the ball back or crosses the ball back and then someone is there unmarked and, 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 and scores. And the other is uh, a midfielder that's not picked up, uh, lying in that, in that in between the lines between the midfield and, and, the, and the defense. Um, I don't think, I think with Godin in God mode, as he is at the moment, uh, I think uh, by and large, this, the, the first of the two errors that uh, I've spoken about, um, which, which is, you know, uh, Ocampos uh, would really affect us with, would probably be under control for the most part. My concern is, is with uh, Banega and Suso. Uh, Banega, although a winger, he, I mean, as we know very well uh, from his days at Milan, he loves to cut, cut in on his left foot uh, from the right uh, flank and, and, and shoot, occupying, thus occupying that part uh, between Young and Gagliardini. And then Banega, you know, if he, if he sneakily runs into that bit in the middle, it would cause us problems. Yeah. But I think this is this is what Conte does. This is what he does, and what he does best is plan for yeah. these micro <laughs> situations. You know, yes, yes. Uh, I, I think man for man uh, and form form for form, and you know, uh, across almost all attributes, we're a better team. And, and I said this. I, I I I said that I think mentally the bigger hurdle was the semi final, kind of like in the Champions League uh, against Barcelona in 2010. Where the where the the game against Bayern was a bit of a foregone conclusion, um, so I, I I I'm kind of like I don't want to jinx anything, but I kind of feel like this was this this is kind of it. You know, the the team has has crossed a hurdle and and matured to a point where it seems like if they like now they know what their full potential is, and if they play to it, then it should be a straightforward win against Sevilla. Of course, anything can happen over ninety minutes and whatever you know. Bono could have that uh, ridiculous performance as he did against United, and 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 uh, uh, keep keep us at bay for the full 90 minutes and not and, and not being able to score. So anything can happen. But I think having seen what you've seen yesterday and knowing the sort of threats that the, the micro threats that Sevilla can pose, and knowing how Conte can plan against those, I I, I think I think if if Inter play to their best ability. It should be a straightforward win. It should be Inter versus, you know, whoever, you know, a uh, 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 Fiorentina. Uh, I don't want to say a Sassuolo, but you know, it should be an Inter versus a, a lower mid-table team. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, where? What about you, Will? Do you agree with that assessment? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a very difficult match. I agree that of the two semi-finalists, I'd probably have preferred to, to to have a go against Manchester United, although they probably have 
better individuals up front. I think they're less of a coherent unit. They don't have the the nous that Sevilla have in this competition. You know, five finals in this competition, five wins. So this would be a first if they were to lose the Europa League final. Um, 20 games unbeaten, one eight of their last nine, if you include the end of their league season. So, um, you know, in a, in a tournament like this, it makes sense that every round you go through, you get a slightly tougher opponent than the one you had before. And, um, you know, it doesn't always happen, but it certainly happened here. You know, Getafe by Leverkusen, Shakhtar and Sevilla. So this is definitely the hardest team that we've played, as it should be. Uh, they're uh, they're an annoying team because, as you said, they 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 didn't dominate against Manchester United in the semi-final. But even when they were on the back foot, they stayed together and and regrouped. They have a lot of talented players. Very Spanish kind of team. Um, so I, I suspect that uh, we may have another game where we don't see the majority of the ball. Uh, very dangerous in wide areas with um, the fullbacks in particular who've been really impressive. Jesus Navas and, and Reguilón, who's a um, who Napoli and a lot of Premier League teams are chasing. Uh, so the wide areas are going to be a, a difficult area, um, and you know we'll have to Conte will have to prepare that very well. We'll need a very good version of uh, Santa Danilo on that right wing if uh, indeed he plays, and uh, Young on the other side. The 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 midfielders will have to be. Uh, capable of getting out there and giving them a hand uh, whenever necessary. So, you know, it's a 50-50 match, I think. Uh, it, obviously, it's a final, so uh, anything can happen. But, uh, yeah, I think at this point we have to be confident going into it because the, the fact of the matter is we've got better every single game in this tournament. And that's despite the fact that the opponents have got better. We've been more convincing with each round. So, in terms of Inter's approach to the match, I'm not that worried that it'll be a, a, a sort of a damp squib performance. I think that we've shown enough in the last few matches to suggest that we're ready to play European final. And that's not something I was expecting to say uh, this season. Um, so that's very encouraging. A um, lot at stake as well here. Uh, first trophy in nine years. Pot one in the Champions League draw next yeah, season. Yeah, Super yeah. Cup, the Club World Cup in 2021. This is a huge crossroads for Inter. Mm. Does, does, doesn't mean that if we lose, then the season has been a failure and there's nothing to build on. You know, uh, I think it was Liverpool's it, Liverpool lost the final to Sevilla in 2016 and they ended up yeah. a couple of years later being in the Champions League final. So this is still a result in itself. But if if we win this match, we take a big jump. You know, this is and it's it's a bit of, you know, it's, a, it's sort of um, like a domino effect, you know, even financially, you know, everything starts falling into place. We know how modern football is structured and we may not like it, but you know, the more you win, the more you get rich and the more privileges you get. So we may not like it, but this is, if, if it happens to us, then, you know, that would be, that would be fantastic. So um, I don't want to make anyone nervous, but uh, this is, uh, you know, this is potentially the start of something uh, very, very important if Inter were to win this game. I, I think I wanted to, I just want to ask you something about the Club World Cup there, because there's been a little bit of a question. How, how do you think, why do you think Inter will play there if they win the Europa League? Can you just elaborate on that? Because I know we're going to get questions on well, that. Well, uh, I'm going to defer to Fulvio because I don't actually know the details. I know that he was talking about the fact that we'd be in it. So I know the Club World Cup is changing. Um, it's going to be in China in 2021. So it's not taking place this Christmas. Um, so, but it's, it's a new kind of expanded tournament. I think it's only going to be every four years. Um, yes, I, it I, is. You're I, right, don't, you're right. I don't know the, I don't know the details. I know that there are seven teams from Europe that get in. And I believe the winners of this year's Europa League would get into that. 
Okay, but, um, so so I, I just took out the information because I've heard this as well, and I've been. I thought you had. A, I didn't mean. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. Um, but well, yeah, you no, did. So congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no, I didn't mean to. I, I thought I, the thing is, it's it's going to be in twenty twenty one. It's going to be played every four years. It's going yeah, to have. It's going to have twenty four teams, thirty one matches, all UEFA Champions League winners, all UEFA Champions League runners up, all Europa League winners, and Copa Libertadores winners from the four seasons up to and including the year of the event, with the remainder qualifying from the other four confederations. Yeah. Um, uh, and and yeah. and where's this tournament? It's in China. Can you imagine yeah. Suning bringing oh, into the World Cup in China? In they will China, be, where they play a tournament. It. I mean, they would, they would, and they'd uh, they'd unveil Messi there. That's like the Zhang's dream, isn't it? Win the World yeah. Cup in Beijing and then handing mm. out the trophy is Lionel Messi in an integer. Like, that's the only way they could make that anymore. I will of never, a... anytime I think of World <laughs> Cup, I will never not think of Marco Materazzi getting furious at Rafa Benitez for not subbing yeah. him on so he could tattoo it on his body. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good point. Right. Um, yeah. So, Mike, speak. Uh, I mean, if, if we just quickly pre predict predict this game, I mean, I I think it's going to be very tough, and I th I think Inter are going to, it's it's going to extra time, and I think Inter will win uh, two one. Um, where where do you what do you think, Mike? Uh, I'm going to say one nil. Um, I actually, what's interesting is that you know both Will and Mo highlighted you know parts of Sofia's squad they didn't even highlight what for me is the best part which is their center back tandem of Diego Carlos and uh, Jules Kounde uh, both are going to be sold for a lot more than what Sevilla bought um, they're very stout at the back i this was actually this would be the ideal match for me to play Christian Eriksen because i think it's going to be tricky getting balls through the middle creating chances we saw Brozovic couldn't really do that um, in the semifinal uh, but that center back tandem is not very tall. And so I'm going to predict 1-0 Romelu Lukaku scores one more time, Inter win. I don't feel great about it. I'm very nervous, but I'm going to say that Inter pulled this off. And he equals uh, and he, he equals Ronaldo's uh, 34 goals in his debut season, which is kind of what he's, you know, and wins the UEFA Cup or Europa League just like Ronaldo. There's a lot of there's a lot of comparisons that the Italian media have been salivating over drawing these cons uh, these these uh, analogies and comparisons these past few days. Uh, I'm I'm going to say two one. I think Lukaku and Lautaro because the Lautaro we saw yesterday was the Lautaro that Barcelona have been wanting to buy but can't afford. Uh, he was phenomenal. Um, so I think those two will have it again. I think Barella will be incredibly important, and I think Santo Danilo will close down that 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 side of the pitch again. Uh, uh, um, uh, yes, quite, one, quite one thing worth noting, uh, Lucas Ocampos might not start. He picked up a knock at that United game, mm. came out early. It seems like it's not guaranteed he's actually going to start. And if that's the case and he can't do a lot, then I feel a lot better about this because I've mm. watched enough Suso at Milan to not be that afraid of Suso. Yeah, but he scores against internal derbies. Even if he's shit, he goes into against... Yeah, I was going to so say, he, does, he has got a good record. Yeah, he's just God, great. He's so bad, though. Yeah, but it's, well, it's like this is the real deal. But Suso, yeah, mm. yeah Be, like, being the, good has never been a requirement to score against Inter in the past. I was, I was just so. gonna say Gianni Comandini. I mean, it's like well, the only thing he's known for is scoring two goals in that horrible derby that they won six 0 So I mean, he didn't. He, he barely had a career before or after. Right. Um. Uh, so, uh, Will, give me a prediction. Uh, I was going to say 1-0 with Lukaku as well. That's good. Um, just, be, just because, you know, like Mike, I've, I would not be at all surprised if, if we're edged out by the more sort of streetwise team um, because 
this is this is a very very difficult final but I think it would be blasphemous to predict a, a defeat in our first final in what is it nine years so uh, I will go into this with confidence I would like it to be Lukaku because there is always you know this um residual assumption and uh, etiquette that he's got as someone who doesn't decide big matches. You know, even last night, the, Hays- the naysayers will say, yeah, well, he scored the fourth and the fifth goal. He didn't score the, the first or the second. So just to, to get rid of that sort of um, narrative would be nice. But I'll take anyone. A part of me thinks it's probably going to be D'Ambrosio, given how many decisive goals he scored for this club. <laughs> um, again, uh, against Shakhtar, remarkable. But yeah, 1-0 and... Um, Conte picking up the cup and uh, hopefully taking it back to Milan and not to his his house wherever he lives. I don't know where he lives. Um, <laughs> Mo, where? Well, what about you? Um, I'll go for a sneaky two nil. Um, I think uh, I think the game is going to be managed again the same way that uh, the Shakhtar game. Actually, I, I scratched that. I think uh, he's going to come out uh, strong. He's going to sucker punch them goal and then a second goal towards the end of the second uh, second half i think mm. it's two nil for inter yeah mm. nice one yeah no um i, I i'm gonna stick with two one i'm gonna say luca uh, lula uh, and i think suzo's gonna get his assisted by banega just to just to rub it in for me a little bit uh, right uh, <laughs> right it is extraordinary that it is extraordinary this is the first Italian team in the UEFA Cup final since 1999. The, 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 it's absolutely astonishing as a statistic. You know, the 21st century is 20 years old, and there's never been an Italian team in this particular final. I mean, yeah, Ronaldo nice. was still at Inter the last time that there was a Serie A team in this final. So it's it's about time that we we did something for all the people we hate in in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> And see, sure. just to see, just to see them squirming and refusing yeah. to to praise us. Yeah, exactly. No, I'm I'm with you. Right, let's move on to the part of the show where we pay tribute, rip the piss out of, and criticize someone or something heavily in the world of football. Starting with the positivity this week's Moratti, which is presented by Mister Positivity, Mister Mohammed, Mystic Mo Nasser. Is he works a lot. He's intelligent, and he surprises people sometimes with his ideas. Not easy to find one person of this qualities. Uh, yeah. So uh, this week's uh, Moratti is uh, is uh, uh, is actually a statement from a from an interview by a certain player, uh, Nicolo Barella. We spoke in uh, plaudits about him all uh, all um, episode long, and then um, what I what I want to point out is in 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 that in that post match interview. I I believe it was done with Scarpini. Uh, he was asked, uh, you know, just uh, what he thinks of the game, etc. The final, and he said, you know, uh, we're in the beginning of a cycle, <clears throat> and it's obvious uh, to the team that we're doing something special, and, and we're in the beginning of a cycle. And it really, like yesterday, really felt like this. It felt like, for me personally, anyway, uh, it felt like there was a big mental hurdle that was crossed yesterday, and the team. Uh, I can't remember if, if it was Carlo or Uni. You know, someone, someone earlier in the episode said that the team believes that they can, you know, fulfill their potential. It's no longer a case of uh, will they or, but they they will. They can. They can reach those heights that uh, that are expected of them. And it's just fantastic to see a young player like Barella, uh, who's who's shown nothing but you know fantastic performances since the uh, the lockdown. Uh, 
you know, vocalize that, verbalize that yesterday. So, so that's, that's my Marathi of the week. Uh, n- a nice one. Um, I, 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 I have a, my, my Marathi of the week has to be Antonio Conte for, for the biggest... Who would have thought it? For the biggest nonsense. That, no, it's, it's his absolute, like, what he said after the game had me on the floor. It's like, when they asked him about the, the, his, his outbursts after the, after the game against Atalanta, he goes, <laughs> this is so good, I have to read up the quote. I don't, uh, I only, I never, oh, there we go. No, he says, I, when I criticize, uh, I, I only mean it as a spur of the moment thing. It's not planned. I never mean to offend anyone. I just, I'm not a very political person. I just say what I think there and there. And I always say it with the best intentions at heart. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I, I mean, that is like no. <laughs> you're not. You're not buying that. Quite. You're buying his interview. You're not buying his post-match comments. No, no. It's like yeah. no, dude. No, dude. That's I mean, interesting. That is. That is. That is so far away from the truth as you can come. Mm. You. You did not just say it as a as a helpful. You know, uh, this topic. You know, as your as your thoughts in a in a debate in a respectful debate. You went out there and you threw everyone under the bus, and that's what you do. But like, I just couldn't stop. On um, on Barella, yeah. did you see him having a little go at Bastoni in the post match? Yeah, that was very enjoyable. He was he was so he was like, he was talking about how nice it was to to be playing with players like Eric and saying and Bastoni t- sort of stood next to him and he's sort of pointing to him like what well, I'm one of them as well and he's sort of going no no not Bastoni uh, but you know <laughs> Ericsson and it's very very enjoyable but, but apparently I mean according to Christian Ericsson Barella, Biragi, Bastoni uh, and uh, who else was it uh, apparently they're, they're they're a clique and they all they do is just argue and rip the piss out of each other that's that's apparently what the, that's like the click they're, they're like a group of friends and that's that's what they do uh so so I, 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 that's that why for a renewing beraki's loan deal to keep the together <laughs> to keep the guys happy <laughs> yeah. it's just a reasonable explanation yeah it's just weird seeing like i mean delightfully weird that like these guys seem to really like each other and compared yeah, to how do. miserable everything was last year. It's just really <laughs> fun to see people like not hate like each that. other all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Icardi would have said that about Perisic, but he would have meant it. That's the difference. <laughs> <laughs> right. Let's move on to uh, something much more comical. This week's Frog, which we presented by Mr. William Beckman. E clamoroso! Autogol di Ranocchia! Yeah, there's only one frog this week. Uh, it's one that we can all get behind. Um, it can only be Barcelona. We've already spoken about them a lot um, this week. But, you know, they, they've been giving us all sorts of nonsense for the last four or five months with Lautaro Martinez. And uh, they've got their just rewards now by suffering their heaviest defeat in Europe. Or I think they're suffering their heaviest defeat in Europe ever and conceding eight goals for the first time since 1946. Um, so, you know, I'm not a petty person, but I did very much enjoy uh, the, the absolute nonsense that went on uh, on Friday evening, I think it was, in, uh, in Portugal. Um, you know, very, very enjoyable as well to see um, our own little agent, Philip Coutinho, uh, scoring twice against them, despite being contracted to them. Um, it was just all very, very enjoyable. You know, we've oh, got, so happy. Barcelona are not the most popular club among among Interisti, um, they... Among anyone, among they don't, anyone they don't know who's in a Barcelona they, they don't know how to win. 
they you know they they treat players in a different way to other clubs and get away with it. Um, they think they're above everyone else when in fact they've now become exactly what they used to mock Real Madrid for, just a you know mismatch of of good players that don't have no uh, have no sense being on the pitch together. And you know it's always nice when you see that one of the baddies get custard pied so dramatically like that. So. Um, if, Custard if I, pied if, and have their pants pulled down in front of the the girl they're trying to kiss. Like it was, it was a complete humiliation, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, it was. The, it was the, the most and enjoyable European night I've had in quite a while. Me too. And, and, and I include all the events things in that. Yeah, Mo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's very strange because uh, growing up, Barcelona had always been the, the good guy, right? Like yeah. uh, with Ronaldo, with Rivaldo, with uh, Romario, with. Whoever, like a laundry list of like players, uh, no, no Mexican club, uh, no uh, sponsor Oitskov. on the shirt. Yes, yeah, Oitskov, it's just yeah. really, really likable team. They were yeah. the protagonists to uh, Real's antagonist, and I don't know what happened. You know, after uh, after you know, I, I don't like uh, Guardiola came and just uh, ever since then they become for me personally more more and more unlikable with every passing season it's crazy it's the hypocrisy of them that drives me mad i mean at least back then they were there was some sort of they, they weren't properly hypocritical as much as they yeah. are now uh so they, they're about as loved as the french are i'd say right now they're, there's like everyone <laughs> no one likes them the only people who like the french are the french and even the, some of the french don't like the french and it's the same with barcelona barcelona nobody likes barcelona except for the the, the the those who already love Barcelona and, and but most people just find them unbearable and and it is I mean it's not just that it's it's this nonsense that they do of destabilizing players at other clubs that they want that they don't want to pay for it just drives me mad and it's just such that they're allowed to get away with it time and time again Real Madrid Chelsea all these other clubs they get fined they get they get banned but Barcelona never get anything and it's before I started before I start speaking Spanish with a Portuguese accent and saying porque. Um, let, let's, uh, <laughs> let's let's move on to the uh, Moji of the Week, which we presented by Mr. Mike Pilucci. It's kind of difficult to find something this week. This is, uh, things are good. Things are happening, guys. Um, so I, I'll stretch a bit, and I will say this is this is only inter-adjacent because this is a, an Interista alumni, and uh, Nima, you might want to cover your ears. It's about a potential future coach of Inter, Diego Simeone, because, okay. man, what an egg. Uh, going out there against a Leipzig team that, is not ha- that doesn't have Timo Werner on the pitch, playing the 4-4-2 that he always plays with a defensive midfielder on the right mid, with Diego Carlos's corpse up top with a defensive midfielder and Marcos Llorente as a support striker instead of Joao Felix. It's just really hard to watch what the guy has become. Um, there will probably come a point in time where we are on this podcast, have, you, know, you know, when inter between managers have to have this debate again about is Simeone the guy? And, you know, Carlos said at the top of the pod that he doesn't think that Conte seems to be going the route to Mourinho being outdated. Well, unfortunately, Diego Simeone is. He's becoming a parody of himself. He's playing the same formations. He's playing so timidly and so afraid of everybody. And I don't mind defensive football whatsoever, but you've got to have some killer instinct. And he seems like he's lost his. A very good friend of mine, Colin McGowan, who's a fantastic sports writer in the United States with me, um, is a diehard Atleti fan. And to talk with him about that team and what it's like watching Diego Simeone manage it for the last probably about two and a half years since this really became his style and only the style, he's miserable 
all the time watching this guy. And so it bums me out because I loved Atleti's rise in the middle of the last decade. I think Simeone was genuinely a genius for a while, but what he's become now is just, it's miserable to watch. You know, there was a point when I don't know if there was anybody I wanted to manage Inter more. Now, I don't know if there's a big manager I want to manage Inter less than this. So maybe he turns it around, you know, but if he doesn't and we are having the should Diego Simeone come aboard conversation two or three years, uh, no, I'm, I'm out. I'm totally out. No, no. <laughs> it, it's terrible. It's no, terrible. It's, not. it's a new project. You got to give uh, him some time. He starts I, his guys all the time. Diego uh, Costa should I be playing. With Mike. I, I agree with Mike. I agree with Mike completely. I agree with Mike completely. I like if if uh, if uh, Simeone were to turn it around next season and he he like uh, the Phoenix rises out of the ashes and he rediscovers his best form, then of course I'd be you know I'd be wanting no one but him to transition into from Conte but uh, at this point in time I think Mike's definitely right you know uh, he just seems to be stuck in a certain paradigm and, and unable to break free from it and yeah I agree mm, I'm, 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 I'm not I'm, I pray in the church of Cholismo and uh, he, he, is, he, he <laughs> you, man, you pray the man. in the church of 37% possession as we discovered yes. earlier in this podcast. oh it's so delicious <laughs> Score five goals with 30% one possession. It drives them insane. If they burn so much and they just, oh, these very Italian football, catch it, blah, 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 I love it. Absolutely love it. You know what I'm talking about, Mo. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, I'm yeah, drinking. Love I'm it. Drinking love this all it. day. Like, oh. I was purring uh, like a cat after that first second half. Like I was literally purring. I haven't purred when interplay in a long, long while. Last time was Mourinho when they played, when they, when they played, uh, whenever they played. The fact that they were just a mean, mean team that was like, okay, here's the ball. Bring it on. Bring it on. Come on. I'm waiting. Oh, it was beautiful. Beautiful. None of this ridiculous triangular passing of dwarfs passing sideways. No, God, I can't deal with that. <laughs> Oh God! Let's <laughs> not appreciate your dwarf. You, you, you presumably enjoyed you, you enjoyed Leon's uh, job on Manchester City then. Oh, like, oh, are you kidding me? It was beautiful. <laughs> the only problem with that is that obviously they're French, and I'm not a big fan of the French either. But I mean, so uh, you know, oh. it doesn't matter. I mean, and Memphis Depay. If we ever, if you ever were to make a list of footballers you want to punch in the face, I think he'd be in the top two. But I mean, that, that's that's a, that's a, that's that's just you know, that's a side that's a side uh, discussion altogether. But no, I mean, I, I I don't like this this Guardiola, this tiki taka triangular. Let's pass the ball sideways. Let's have 99% ball position and pass it until the cows come home. It just, it's not fun to watch, and I'm on the other side of the political, on the ideological aisle uh, completely, and uh, in the other side of the ideological spectrum on that. I, 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 I love Mourinho. I, I love Mourinho. I love Trapattoni's, you know, what Trapattoni did with, with, with throughout his entire career. I, I, nah, I don't, not a big fan of this, this Mescaun club and no, let's Harlem Globetrotters nonsense. The, yeah, I mean, the problem is just that Cholo manages scared now. Like Conte, you watched the yeah. team yesterday. There yeah. was a plan. Yeah, if you watch plan. what Conte, what uh, Simeone has been doing for a while now, even in a ma- I mean, you can't go out there against a team like Leipzig that you have that much more talent than. And yeah, I mean, there's 
there's been some overhaul without Griezmann, but that midfield's been the same. And he runs them into the ground. He just trusts his guys. It's just, it's frustrating because I'm with you. Like ideologically, he can by all means play that style of ball, but you got to do it with purpose and you can't be afraid. And he looks like he's scared. I, I agree with you on that. I think he was scared because I think that he doesn't feel, he doesn't trust his team. I think the the Thomas Lemar thing didn't 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 pan out, and they spent a lot of money on it. And they're not a club that can spend a lot of money like that, and it turned out to be a complete disaster. So I think a lot of stuff like that. But I mean, they you know I I don't know I I think that the, you know it's it's a new project. I mean he's rebuilding it again after after having you know the Diego Costa thing and bringing them to two Champions League finals. I mean, you know I think he's going to take, and he said he's one he wants to stay there for another two three years. And I think that within next and the season after that when he starts winning again and. And making them as unbeatable again, because I, I think they're missing maybe one or two pieces from that clicking again. I, and and from him relaxing and trusting them. But I do agree with you. He does look scared, and and he did look scared against Leipzig. He, he looked really, really like he didn't trust them, and that that kind of nervousness, kind of really that like that, that you know that goes into the team. I mean, as a, compare that to Conte when he's confident as when he's insecure. You know, you know, these football is organic and, and the players can, fe- can feel that. And so you're absolutely right. Right. Um, that's all we had time for this week. I'd like to thank Carlo and I'd like to thank you, Mo. Always a pleasure, guys. Let's uh, have a really great episode next time, I hope. Woo-hoo. Yes, for sure. Uh, and Reverend Mike, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me back. Let's, uh, you know, let's close it out strong and look forward to being back on whatever. Mm. Mr. William Beckman. I just wanted to say, you know, don't stress yourselves out too much this week, dear listener, because, you know, the worst that can happen is, you know, we lose a final. And as Juventus have taught us, you can lose a European final. It's okay. <laughs> you know, you can even lose it seven times in a row. You can still be, you can still be a great club. So it's okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll, the world will still be turning. Beautiful. Right, um, that's all we <laughs> Oh my God, we're so obnoxious, aren't we? Love it. Um, let's, uh, that's all. Until next week, um, I'm, I'm your host, Nima Tavale Rudsari, thanking all the panelists, thanking all of you listeners, everyone commenting. Please continue to comment, like, subscribe, give us ratings as you are. We really love, love the feedback uh, that we're getting. And until next week, may, until next time, uh, may your week be wonderful and may you all return to Studio Inter as Europa League champions. And sempre solo, Forza Inter. Ah!